This is exactly right. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Of the Law and Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Hello and welcome to That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. I'm Kara. And my name is Lisa. And every week we talk about an episode of SVU, the true crime it's based on. And then we talk to an incredible guest who is part of the SVU episode, Dream Gig, Dream Life. I'm thrilled (laughs) to be here. No, it is funny because I have friends who are in social engagement. Sometimes I'll be talking about just watching SVU in the hotel all day. And they're like, you still just can't stop watching? And I'm like, no, that's the point. Yeah. (laughs) Now it's work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, very, very exciting. I also, when you say hello, I think of RuPaul going, hello, hello, hello. And then I think of the Arthur meme where they said, why does this look like RuPaul? And oh my God, it's so funny. (laughs) It's so good. That meme. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, It, It looks like Ru out of drag. It's really good. It's one of the best memes. And we had a yeah. huge, I mean, we got a package. You all know it's, it's, and people reacted in the most, like everyone was excited from all yeah. walks of life. Well, let's explain just in case you don't follow our social media. In case you don't follow our social media, we did receive a package from Law & Order SVU. It was four massive sugar cookies that were designed as the faces of Benson, Carisi, Rollins, and Ice-T, and, and uh, Finn. And uh, I'm like, I'll do all their character names. I bet they always uh, call him Ice. I bet there's constant cuts of like, you said Ice. Yeah. It's so tough. (laughs) Yeah. And we did a little, if you haven't checked it out, we did a little unboxing video on our Instagram. I think it's also on our Facebook. Um, And yeah, we were thrilled. We were like, does this mean they, it doesn't mean necessarily that like Mariska knows who we are, but I think definitely someone in the PR department is like, okay, who cares about this show? And it's like, we come up, we're important for that, for people that care about the show. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it felt I mean, Benson had a little smudged mascara. So, you know, we'll obviously talk about her recent fucking in the 500th episode. <laughs> so her mascara was smudged. it was uh, sort of perfect. It was definitely a walk of shame. Benson, that cookie. And I do have to say I'm keeping iced tea for memories like iced tea will not be eaten. That just it might it might even kind of be racist to eat him, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I'm not eating ice. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I revealed in our stories over the weekend, I have already eaten my uh, 
what cookies did I have? Carisi and Benson. I ate them both. Yeah. They were delicious. My husband helped me, of course. I mean, of course. Did Rosie get an eyeball or an ear or no? Nah. I didn't think that was the kind of thing that she would really, it was really like, it's a good, it's like a sugar cookie with like, you know, the fondant kind of like, like decoration, but I don't know. I, I kind of just wanted them. I didn't really want to give any to Rosie. I like that. And I feel, um, I'm into parents doing that. <laughs> we, <laughs> I'm really excited by it. Um, wait, have we, oh gosh. I'm getting so overwhelmed with all of the new SVU I saw. So I took all these notes, but I don't know if they're in any order. I was just living a fever dream. It's like we got the cookies and then I did all the errands I had to, do. you know, I lounge a lot. And so then I was just like stoned watching SVU all day long being like, this is great. This is a good life. <laughs> Eating a Kelly Giddish cookie. <laughs> Yeah, just thriving on social media. Couldn't get enough. Also, um, yeah, thanks for everyone that came to see me in Texas. I met some fun people. Yeah, that's so great. I mean, at my show, I did see my friend who I already have, a friend that I already have who was like, I listened to your podcast religiously. And I was like, oh, that's great. But it wasn't a new fan. It was an old friend. Who was it? Who was it? I <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, Aaron's cousin, Jenny. Well, shout out <sighs> to Jenny. Hi, yes. Jenny. She listens really? every week. I also, oh, I mean, sorry to do a personal plug, but I do have to say I am on TikTok. No big deal, but I hired a TikTok Oh, yeah. Guy. <laughs> this girl's chopping up her stand-up and she's... I'm on TikTok, too. Some of you probably follow me there and you notice that I haven't posted in like a year. It was something I did during pandemic because Rosie was very into TikTok for a minute. Like, basically dog and baby TikTok. And um, so you can see some really amateur videos of me and Rosie on our, my TikTok, but don't expect much more update. But Lisa, yes. No, it's the most trusting relationship I've ever had in my life. This man has my Instagram password and he's in charge of everything. Like he can see everything. It's really fucked up, to be honest. But I try. I've, I'm trusting Why does him. he need that to do your TikTok? Well, he's doing my Instagram. He's putting reels up. He connected oh, them. Reels, 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 reels. I was reading this morning that he's doing it. Facebook is is like dying to become relevant with young people again. And so that like and, you know, reels is trying to catch up with TikTok and Snap and everything. So, it's well, I'm really mad at Instagram because now when you click on a video to shut the fucking volume because you're in public, uh, it starts playing it. It makes it big and starts playing it. It's a fucking nightmare. And I'm always watching that shit in bed with my husband sleeping. And he's like, huh, what? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, mean, I meant to shut the fucking volume off. And instead it's in like a tiny, restarts. tiny corner. It's uh, unacceptable, unacceptable. But I will say I noticed that on our account, they're back to letting us share things to our stories from people's grids. Uh, we yeah, don't have to do the yes. Did you notice that? Oh, I did. I did notice because I went I to do like, all those I'm, steps. And thank then they, God they backtrack when they know people hate things. Um, when it just doesn't make sense and it actually decreases. I bet it decreased engagement. Yeah. You ton. know. Yeah. I bet. It, I mean, they're always just fucking with us and I don't um, I don't appreciate it in any way. Oh, and can I just really quickly say an update to last week's episode, Chameleon? We talked at the beginning of the episode about that rape that happened in Philadelphia. And I did post in our stories an update to this, but we got a bunch of people writing us being like, actually, it turned out that the cops were lying about people not doing anything. I know, but I read that article and it still didn't say that anyone did anything. I was like, reading I know that it being was like, true, too. This doesn't prove I don't get what this this is not real news. Like, I, I think it's like there's not enough witnesses because they basically with that story, they shut down all the witnesses. So now more witnesses need to come forward and say what really happened and like 
whether they did stop, like anyone tried to stop it or whatever, because no one's really talking. They said they had one witness and there were definitely at least 10 people on that train. Oh God. I hate that SVU is real life. It really is. But let's now let's really quickly talk about, I mean, I did love it or leave it two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And which is, uh, uh, John Lovett's podcast from crooked media. It's live in LA. It's a live show. And I was a guest on it where they basically made me do hot takes, but they made me defend things that they knew I would hate. Like one of them was Benson Stabler Endgame. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely what I want. Like, and I basically said, let Olivia fuck. And then he led a chant of the whole audience of like a hundred people going, let Olivia fuck, let her fuck. And so I was so excited to turn on the 500th episode and they let her fuck. And I got so happy. I was like, finally. And then I was like, again, they ruin our dreams. Why can't she just have one good thing? One, we're not. I mean, she has her hair and her good looks, uh, but everything else, they just fuck her constantly. I know. But it was like it was kind of nice just that she just got like a little bit of dick. You know what I mean? She just got to like her relaxing in the plaza hotel. In the Plaza Hotel. (laughs) That is actually my New York fantasy. So I got to live my Chicago Drake fantasy. And then I think, um, yeah, my New York fantasy is definitely staying at the Plaza. There's nothing that would be staying at the Plaza. Yeah, these are these are spoilers. I'm sorry we didn't give a warning, but these are spoilers if you're not fully caught up. But Olivia connects with a guy. I I kind of loved the way they went to the old footage. And they talked. They found out. They, I remember the, I remember this storyline, like there's old footage where she's talking, I believe, to Cabot, telling her that she had this boyfriend or maybe it was Elliot. I don't remember. But she's talking to someone telling about this boyfriend she had who was 21 when she was 16 and she was in love with him and her mom hated him. And they just basically bring up all that old footage and she re-meets the guy and it's Aiden Quinn, which, you know, I don't love because he's in a very iconic episode about the girl that has perfect pitch. He plays her dad. Oh, yeah. So I don't really love that it's the same guy because that for me, that episode is so memorable that I'm like, what, this girl's dad is back, you know, but it's he's playing a different character and he's playing like the grown up version of this boyfriend that she had, uh, who is now a podcaster. Hello. He's a podcaster. And he's basically a lot of people thought it was based on Jensen and Holes because because he plays a journalist who like tries to help free people which is like Jensen and then Holes is a cop who has also done a, like a lot of DNA work. And that's kind of what Amaro came back to do. Oh, I forgot Amaro. Yeah. I love seeing Amaro science boy. And I like yeah. uh, his little interaction with uh, Melinda. That was cute. Yeah. Yeah. It was cute. And then we got daddy Cragen on FaceTime. Exactly how me and Lisa got to meet him. Well, you got to meet him. I was had to call in because my internet failed me and it's one of still the most hard. Thinking about it does make my heart hurt. It is. Um, it was just like a wild affair that in that moment, <laughs> I think that we will get him back on. He seemed like he had more to talk about, but it was a wild episode. I really loved it. Um, and but it was sad because like, you know, spoiler alert, fast forward. If you don't want to know what happens at the end of the episode, we basically find out that this guy's not like a 
not, I don't know, not necessarily like an assaulter, but like definitely like a kind of a creepy predator type. Like he definitely was like grooming younger girls from a young age. Yeah. I mean, I like that they handled this and tackled it where it's like, no, it's not a legal thing, but, but it's a not creep. cool. And yeah. the people that have made our social norms are creeps. They're men. So it's like these things that you see as normal is actually like fucking not. Like, yeah. yeah, it's legal. It is legal to be 40 and try to go fuck 18 year olds. It is legal, but you're a fucking predator. Yeah. I don't care if uh, Congress agrees with me or not. Right. right you're right. a predator. Uh, yeah. So. And like 21, if you're 21, you've had a very different life experience than a 16 year old. And your 16 year old girlfriend is in this abuse, like has this like kind of abusive alcoholic mother. So you're definitely, but also and no dad. There's also a difference between okay, we both work at the movie theater, and now we really like each other, and we're dating. Versus, I'm only tr trying to pick up girls at the high school. You know, sure, there, it's two sure. different things. So, and I'm a professor, and you're a student, or I have power over you. Like, yeah, yeah there's definitely. I a like weird... that they cover the gray area. It reminds me of one the one of the episodes of Girls. You know, one of the last uh, from the last season when she goes and visits the writer. Do you know what I'm talking about? You seem yeah, confused as hell. Yeah, just elaborate because <laughs> I've seen it all, but I don't. I don't. I may not remember. She like goes talks to this writer who uh, everyone is like, "You're a creep," and then she ends up touching his dick in the bed, and he like ends up kind of seducing her, and then her daughter comes home, and it's the guy from The Americans plays the guy. I mean, oh. I can't explain it anymore. <laughs> Matthew Reese. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I, yeah. That's all vaguely familiar. I think towards the end girls was, a. a, a, a I just, it's mixed up for me. Wait, Sorry. I have to, okay. I'm going to say the other moment. So I, I watched like maybe five episodes from the new season um, to catch up. So I loved, well, I hate that Maloney fucking fucked them over. Like that was so uh, fuck you. She's in a wheelchair. She's fucking assaulted, thrown. Everyone's lying. She's lost everything. Like, fuck you. But I did like when the guy was like, it's up to you. And he went, she's the captain. It's actually her call. Like that made me want to fuck Stabler right there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm honestly, I know I'm alone uh, on this podcast in this, but I am watching OC and I'm really enjoying it. Like, it's like, it's very twists and turns. It's very like, I, like I will it. watch it. I will watch it. And I'm sorry to let you down and everyone down that I can't have a discourse with you. But I think I'll watch half it. of our audience doesn't even give a shit about it. So, I mean, I don't think it matters. But if you don't want to watch it, you don't have to. But I'm just liking it. I like I think it's um, it's fun. Well, and then I also liked when the FBI guy was trying to be like tough guy. And so then Rollins goes, OK, you can go first then and makes him like go first into the big raid where it's yeah. like, you want to talk a big game? OK, motherfucker, go get your gun out. So loved. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate this blonde bull bulldog guy. What the fuck? The Do you know oh, Serpa Terry Serpico. <laughs> the fact that he Olivia has to answer to anybody. He just has the same kind of early Dodds energy. And I just feel like we've been there, done that with her having like a boss that's like a dick and doesn't understand SVU. It doesn't understand victims. And, you know, like, well, I don't know if we need that again, but maybe he'll have a son that dies and we'll like him again. Who knows? Well, that speech um, was beautiful. I know you're trying to wrap it up, but I have to get this out. Um, <laughs> no, also, we know that Quinn guy, he is from Practical Magic. We mentioned Practical Magic last week, and he's the guy with the different colored eyes, you know, with the star. Wait, who he's is that? The, Quinn? 
the guy she fucks, Adrian Quinn, but that's not his name. Aiden a- Quinn. Aiden, Aiden Quinn. Quinn. Yes, but I yes, wrote down yes. Adrian, so yeah. that's why I didn't want to say his first name. <laughs> no, didn't we talk about this before? Aiden Quinn was like such a heartthrob for me growing up. He's in A River Runs Through It. He's in like Benny and June. Like he's in so many movies. I thought he was so, so hot growing up. Well, he plays the hot guy in Practical Magic that like, you know, teaches her to love. Love uh, again. Yeah. The, the pillows look so good. Okay. I guess that's it. Lisa's notes love the pillows <laughs> Adrian's doing a great job here <laughs> I just really want Olivia like I don't care who it is I do care I mean I will care who it is but when we to think about the end of SVU and whatever whenever that ends there needs to be an end in a romantic way for me I will not accept a not romantic ending and it's not to say that like every female storyline needs to end with a romantic like but she needs love everlasting fulfilling love or i will riot yeah because the show is going to end when she leaves the force i'm sure and so i need to know what she's going to be occupying her time with and it needs to be some kind of companion you know that's not fucking noah because by the time noah's 16 he's gonna be a nightmare he already is no 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 i will see her in like a cape coddy hamptons whatever kind of town Living in a small beach town, relaxing and living her life with a loved one. Noah comes to visit from college. She has some pets. And then later in life, there will be a TV movie where she does need to solve a local crime. Right. Like she murders, she wrote it. Like she becomes yes. a little bit murder. She wrote like people in the town are like, hey, I know that you're retired, but I have this like legal issue. And like she starts like helping do like small town investigations. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. I would love that. Uh, well, let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah, let's get started. Okay, so we're going to be doing Taboo Season 7, Episode 14. Very thrilling. Um, And if you know the Kelly Clarkson song, I have been waiting a lifetime for a moment like this. (laughs) You truly, I feel like in every time we do a batch, you're like, what about Taboo? And I'm like, okay, (laughs) we're going to get to it. Like... (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I just um, it is a it's a wild one. You know, it's a fun one. It's a wild one. There's lots of moments and an amazing start. Let's get let's get serious. It starts with a little cute dog in a red outfit um, off, you know, off his leash. The leash is in his mouth and an animal with something in its mouth, even cuter um, running in its red little outfit. And the owner is yelling. And I heard pickles, but that's not the dog's name. The dog's name is Angel. So um, Angel is running and a man apprehends the dog and he has like a British butler vibe. And uh, they're both like, what is this? What does the dog have? And then a woman appears like a genie. I don't know. Out out of thin air, this woman with a swooped bang shows up and she goes, listen, ladies, I know what that is. And that's afterbirth. And so all of a sudden, swoop bang and the woman and the dog Angel, they're walking. Um. I feel like the the dog owner is someone I know from. She is. I was just going to, I didn't want to interrupt you, but her name is Allison Becker. She has been like a VJ. She has been in commercials. I've been in auditions with her. I've met her a bunch of times. Like she's just a person in like the sort of comedy acting worlds. Okay. Yeah. She definitely looks familiar. She worked that beanie very good. And so they go to the, like where she thinks the dog picked up whatever. And they hear a fully alive, crying screaming baby in the trash 
what the fuck? So then we cut to Benson at the hospital with a male doctor and they're putting on like a latex glove material smock situation. Um, we find out, uh, you know, it's baby boy dough, six pounds, six ounces, and could not have been alive for more than two to three hours. So fresh ass baby and Stabler adds, damn, that garbage truck was like a block away. So that the timing is too perfect. This baby would have been or, you know, perfect for who? Obviously not the criminal. They were a block away from easy street. Um, But I am glad this baby lives. Um, The umbilical cord was clipped off with a potato chip clip thing holder um, that says gourmet coffee on it. So I guess it's a coffee clip, but they're they're called potato chip, right? They're bag holders. A chip clip. Chip clip. Chip. I always call it a chip clip. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a healthy baby. Yay. Um, and, you know, it's just under some warming lights. It's getting some formula, some feet fluids. He's going to feel great, but he needs some human contact. So Stabler grabs his hand and says, welcome to the world there, tough guy. Cute moment. Credits. Stabler, you know, yeah. asshole to the criminals. But kids, there's a soft spot there. Yeah. That's why he um, has his own collection. Oh, of kids. I was like, a collection of what? I'll buy it. Where's the merch? Send me the link. Where's the coupon code? So um, Benson and sexy, sexy Mike Doyle, uh, they're doing a walk and talk gossip situation at the scene of the crime. And she has short hair with the most blonde highlights we've ever seen. This is like her most blonde, I I feel. Um, And they find... Lots of stained sheets. There's a stitching. The the material. It's top taupe 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 yeah taupe whatever that means. Um, not great quality sheets. So that's a clue. Um, and you know they're talking to the neighbors. They're seeing what's up. And Mike Doyle is talking about how one set of the neighbors loves mushu pork and ordered it three times. And it's like, what are you even talking about right now? <laughs> What does this mean? And then Marissa, oh, it's a craving. And it's shut up. How do you know these people ordered pork already so quickly? Or like, did you go through the trash? Are you already everyone's receipts everywhere in town? It's just like the wildest detail to me. Um, So they cut to a rich looking home. There's a 51 year old woman and she's like, hello, my ovaries, they're dried up as hell. And so... (laughs) She says she can't be the mother of this child, but there's a pregnant panhandler outside the coffee shop named Varla, and maybe it's her. So when we see her, she's from Orange is the New Black, and she played the woman who refused to talk, um, but then she sang once and had an incredible voice. So I think she was (laughs) in the kitchen. She was like part of Red's crew. Um, Yeah. So that's that. So Ice-T and Benson go talk to her and she starts crying and saying like, don't take my baby. And she's running away. She's like, don't take her. And they're like, who's going to take her? And she's like, I don't do drugs. And they're like, all right, we're just going to go to the hospital lady. Relax. So we find out that this um, Varla lady, she's had three pregnancies. All the babies were born positive with drugs. And (laughs) so they were taken away from her. Uh, But this baby, she got clean for, she's ready. But on the ultrasound, it's a blank womb. The womb is empty as fuck. There is no baby. And Benson switches quick. I mean, this so mean. I see it right away. She's like, yeah, because you threw away your baby, you dumb whore. And she's like, no, you got to believe me. And I believe her. I think Benson's being way too mean to this clearly deranged woman. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So she's straight up about to arrest this crying woman. And the doctor's like, hey, lady, why don't you relax? She had pseudo CS. Sciasis. I don't know what it is. I think it's sciasis, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. that is. But yeah. So relax. She has pseudo sciasis. 
Um, and she's like, she's never been pregnant. She's not pregnant. Um, but it's this like weird thing where your brain thinks it's like a, so we cut to BD who's going to explain everything to us. So we're with George Wong. We're in this, we're in this, I was about to say the studio at this, the precinct and BD describes it as a condition where your body acts pregnant, even though it isn't. And ice T walks by and says a fruitcake with baby fever then disappears. Uh, but that is <laughs> Great. A drive-by from Ice-T. <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole squad is uh, looking at a clear board map trying to figure out where this could be because, like, if someone did give birth, uh, like, they couldn't have ran from far away. Like, what's the evidence? What's going on? And Munch charges in with some new evidence. They cleaned up the blood from the sheets and um, the, a T-shirt that was there. The T-shirt says, Einstein's drunken genius. And ICE knows that it is a college hangout place um, at near the Manhattan Institute of Technology. So they run to the bar and there's a man carrying boxes, traditional bartender giving the scoop. And basically it's like a trivia night, but people take shots. So you take quizzes, you take lots of shots and there's a winner every single night for a month. And he has all of their info with their name and address. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, to play I'm drunk kidding. trivia, you have to give them your address. What? <laughs> what is this? That okay? Yeah, like maybe an email, but we're not getting physical addresses. But okay. And to think, like every winner went to Manhattan. I don't know. I, it's just. I mean, I, I want a T-shirt, but I don't. Bu I don't buy this. This is a little stretch for me. <laughs> they go to a dorm, and there's a student in there, and she's like, "Hey, listen, the shirt didn't fit me. I gave it to my old roommate Ella Christensen, um, who moved into a single down the hall." And so they go to Ella's room, and it's redheaded beauty Skyla Fisk, uh, from one of my favorite movies, Orange County. And one of my favorite SVU episodes, Taboo, we're talking about right now. Okay, so she's wearing a big purple sweatshirt and she has a gold necklace and she's like, oh, I gave it back to her. And they're like, no, she's sure that you have it. So we need to account for all of them. She's like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll look for it. Benson right away. Great detective notices a bunch of coffee things and one of the clips is missing. So she's like, what's up with this clip, bitch? And she's like, I don't know. And then um, she sees the top bed, the taupe. What fucking dumb name and color is that? <laughs> so then uh, they see the taupe bedding and she knows what's going on immediately she's like the sheets are gone like what the fuck she sees the taupe pillowcase right and so she's like where's the matching sheets yeah, yeah, yeah and there's like the stitching and all of it um so obviously there's something afoot i kind of want to say this in Alyssa edwards fashion just <laughs> like the tomfoolery what the, what is it what is the buffoonery i don't mm, even rigamorous? know rigamorous <laughs> who's rigamorous Somehow they convinced her to go to the precinct, which I don't know how. I have no idea how they got her to the precinct. This Manhattan Institute of Technology girl is at the what? But she's there. Uh, and Benson's in interrogation and we find out she's 20. She says she's not pregnant, never been pregnant. And then Stabler throws a bunch of Polaroids at her of this baby and says, you look like your son. This is your son. And this is your baby. Look at these pictures. And she goes, I don't have a son. And she's an amazing actress. So Stabler is more progressive than ever before. And he goes, hey, you know, you're against abortion. That's fine. But if you chose to give birth and be pregnant, why then not choose adoption? Right? Like, at which I've never, I've never seen 
stable or even give a pro-choice kind of yeah, vibe yeah, before. Yeah. So this is huge. And he go and he gets heated. He's upset. He goes, you passed the hospital on your walk. You passed the firehouse. There's fucking Haven laws. Like you couldn't have left your baby. You tossed him in the trash, you dumb bitch. And she's cool as a cucumber. She's legit just like, why are you yelling at me? Very Hannibal O'Deck. <laughs> like is not taking the bait at all. He calls her garbage. And then um, he goes, all those choices. And how is that even an option? How is that even an option? And I'm with him here, you know? Yeah. <sighs> get an abortion. You're in New York. Okay. So well, Craig and- you can't get an abortion at nine months, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> in advance, get an abortion. But if you've gone to nine months and you didn't know you were pregnant or whatever, then it's, you got to give it up to adoption, not garbage. Yeah. Or at least give it to a neighbor, you know, put it on Facebook. Be like, does anyone need this baby? Okay. <laughs> So Cragen calls the detectives out and he goes, fuck, it's Saturday. What are we going to do? Something about custody, about the investigation, this, the kids. Oh, I know this. So it's so, you know, Cragen brings the people out and they have this little discussion how it's Saturday and Kathy has custody of the kids. So Stabler really wants to see his kids on a Saturday. And Benson's like, I'll keep working. Go see your kids. Go hang out with the kids. So Stabler goes and hangs out with his children. So we know that this is when him and uh, his wife are separated. Yeah. And this is probably maybe why he got extra heated because he misses his children. So Mm. maybe that's why he thinks she's like extra garbage. Um, And Benson keeps working her. She's on full academic scholarship. She's an, an environmental engineering student and she's a junior. How much longer do I have to stay here? She asks. Um, And she's like, and Benson responds like, hey, you'd be doing me a huge favor if you can stay here a little longer. She then gets a chill and she's like, fuck, I'm cold. And Benson goes, then why are you sweating? So that's something. So something's going on with this girl for sure. Um, She then, so Benson then shows the photos of the bloody sheets that match her pillowcases. And I love this. Like Ella's like, yeah, the school gives those to us. So bam, no more evidence anymore. Like if everyone has those sheets, you're, you're done, bitch. Like, meanwhile, my college did not have like school sheets. Did yours? Absolutely not. You had to buy your own stuff. Yeah. It was BYO sheets. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I wouldn't want the school sheets, honestly. Gross. Um, so Casey, even though I sleep at hotels 80% of my life. Okay. Um, <laughs> Casey Novak shows up and she's blonde, the blondest blonde, blonde, yeah. blonde, blonde, blonde. And yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. And I don't even know if I realized that I love her as blonde as I am, but I am loving it. Also, because I wrote, I'm loving it. Do you think McDonald's will finally get an impossible burger or what? I really fucking hope so. I don't think they'll get impossible because I think Burger King is probably exclusive to the impossible, but I heard that McDonald's was supposed to, um, someone actually sent me a link about this, get into the meatless game like this year, but they haven't done it yet. They're really missing out. I mean, fucking Taco Bell. Everybody has meatless shit now. Yeah. I don't know why McDonald's is so behind, but maybe because they're number one and they don't even have to try. <laughs> so, but I always think about the movie election and how, um, Reese Witherspoon's characters like Coca-Cola is the number one Coke company by far, but they also spend number one in advertising. So I always, I, that always stuck with me. Mm, I was in a McDonald's commercial one time, a voiceover. Did you get paid nice? No, because they advertise so much. It was radio. They, so it doesn't run very long. Got it. So if you do one, I was like, yes, it's a national, it's a voiceover. Oh my God. And then it was on for like a week. 
Um, so obviously Casey's like, we can't do this. The sheets are thrown out. We have don't it's the fucking the constant rigmarole. It's just like Cragen goes, get it done. And she goes, I can't get it done. And Cragen goes, get it done. And she goes, Oh, fine, I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, no, she says they have to find out. She's like, she had to have told somebody. She had to have told someone. You have to find out who she told. So Ice, we cut to Ice, and he's talking to a dork from class who has a crush on her, and he's like, nah, her body is banging. And they're like, she was pregnant, and you're an idiot. Um, (laughs) So Benson is still with Ella. Munch is talking to a professor to get some scoop, and um, Ella's starting not to feel good. So they're, like, jumping around, and then Ella starts not to feel good. She's trying to run away. She's sweating. Her hair's in her face. She's breathing deep. She's like, I'm gonna be sick. I'm gonna be sick. Benson's like, let me just take you to the hospital, and Ella fully falls down passes out in the elevator and so now we're at bellevue the doctor is like oh my god thanks for bringing her in that was such a close call and benson wants the info and then the doctor's like um excuse me hipaa so (laughs) she can't um and then she also throws a little shade at benson and goes well a few days ago you were also convinced that this other woman was guilty and she wasn't so you know what i'm not telling you shit and leave everybody alone because you are jumping to conclusions and benson goes it's different it's different and it's like boy who cried wolf there it's a fable for a reason So the doc is like, when you have a court order, you can have any information you want. So Benson goes in and Ella is crying and Benson tricks her and says, I just talked to the doctor and she told me everything. Cops are paid to lie. Do not listen to them ever, ever, ever. So then Ella, you know, puts it out on the table. She's like, listen, but I don't know what this means. Retain products of conception. Basically, she had like she wasn't fully cleared out of everything from when she had the baby. Like she probably had pieces of placenta or other things that like if you had given birth in a hospital, they would have taken care of it. But they didn't. Oh, my God. So she retained products of her conception. Yeah. So the yeah, you were. So part of the placenta was attached to the uteral wall. And so she was septic and could have died. Benson says, why didn't you just go to the doctor? And she goes, I didn't have a clue. I was pregnant. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know until it came out. I didn't believe that it was real. I don't understand. And I didn't understand why I was still being punished and punished for what? And it's, she says from being raped. So dun, 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 the story grows. So Benson changes her face and posture immediately. Uh, Benson's going to look into the rape allegation. Casey is like, go arrest the psycho. I hate her. And Novak says being raped doesn't excuse baby trash situations. But Benson (laughs) says maybe it would affect the way you charge her. So Novak picks up a New York Ledger magazine. I love this. And the headline says, genius throws baby in trash. So Novak's point is like, whether she was raped or not, the headlines are out, baby. And I got to put this genius throws baby in trash away. Like, (laughs) we can't. The the streets of New York needs the, you know, garbage baby woman uh, put away. So Cragen gets scooped from the hospital in Newark that remembers her from a year ago and says that she had given birth then too, but didn't have a baby to show for it. So then Cragen goes, this nutcase is a serial baby killer. It's a great quote. It's like so many good quotes in this episode. (laughs) Munch and Ice go to talk to the officer from the first baby killing in 2004. So at 18, she only gained 10 pounds and didn't even know she was pregnant. And she said the baby was a stillborn. They couldn't tell if the baby took a breath or not. So the biggest charge would be getting rid of a corpse and it just wasn't worth it. And 
that was that. And they were like, they, you know, they told the New York police guy, they're like, well, if you did charge her, maybe there wouldn't be a second dead baby. I, I don't know. I, yeah. If I, they were like, go find this baby stillborn to see if it had a breath or not in the heat in a trash heap, I'd be like, couldn't find it. Sorry. I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't dig. I wouldn't be digging. <laughs> so Munch is like, wait, how did this not get out? And we find out none of this got out because her father is a councilman. I didn't even realize councilmen were important, but this I know. Yeah. He's from the PTA. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was wondering the same thing. Yeah. But I guess that's how like, but then I remembered like, that's how Eric Girardi or Eric, what's her? Yeah. Girardi. Mm-hmm. But his name's not Eric. Tom Girardi. Tom Girardi. That's how he got away with it. Like he had friends at the bar. He had friends here and there and there. So it's like, if you're a councilman, you just have friends on the inside. So even if you're not that important, you're right. important enough. Um, so Everett Drake. So we go to the Drake's residence in Newark. Rich, nice house. Nice house in Newark. So the dad is like, listen, this was obviously tragic, but I did not fuck with this investigation in any way. And then like a, blo- a blonde, short hair stepmom vibes comes in with a crisp white collared shirt and a lime green sweater on top and a thick pearl necklace. And she would like to set the record straight. And she's like, we did not raise her. Her mother did. So the first wife divorced the dad and moved to Colorado with the baby. And Ella only popped back into their lives like two and a half years ago. And she started spending breaks with her dad because she didn't really get along with her mother. And they were like, but you didn't notice anything. And the stepmom goes, listen, we thought it was the freshman 15. We didn't notice the first pregnancy. And we haven't actually seen her in months about this pregnancy. So we don't know. So Ice is like, do you know who the father is? Can we help find out who the father is? Um, But she was just too ashamed and kept saying sorry. Sorry and wouldn't admit it. Munch is like anyone else close with her. Like, does she have anybody in her life? And the stepmom says, well, you know, it was 2004, which is an election year. And she did spend a lot of time with Jerry Spencer. And that is the Everett Drake campaign manager. And Ella was a hardworking volunteer to help get the youth vote out. He's like, I can't believe she did what they are saying. And they asked for a paternity test. And he says no, because that would suggest that he had slept with her and he did not. So Ella has been released from the hospital and the cops help escort her because like the press and poster protester people and everyone's hounding her because she is genius baby killer and off with her motherfucking (laughs) head. Everyone wants her dead. She is genius baby killer. Yeah. So in the hubbub of like everyone, you know, all the protesters and everything and rushing through Ella asked Benson, what's going to happen to it? It. That is a clue. So Benson goes, um, your baby ACS is getting flooded with calls to adopt your son. Um, and Ella goes, yeah, sorry. And Benson goes, you're ice cold. No, um, (laughs) no. Ella says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And Benson goes, she's like so fucking icy. And she goes, no, you're only sorry because you got caught. You're not fucking sorry. And she says, you got lying down to a science. The one about you being raped is a good one. And Ella says, you just, you wouldn't understand. And Benson says, then tell me now or you won't get to see me again after arraignment. So you decide, bitch. And so Ella looks deep into the distance and stays silent. And Benson just drags her into a cell and Ella's crying. But like, listen, if you're not going to say who raped you, you're not going to say anything, any information. You do, you called your this baby an it. Like you're very depressive, no, mon, you know, monotone vibes. And so, um, so then it's... um 
Benson's trying to figure out like, did the guy have something to do with it? Like, is the rapist, are you scared of the rapist? Is the rapist the dad? Like, can you help out? And she, Ella goes, he didn't know I was pregnant and she won't say his name or drag him into this. And Benson goes, why? Like, why won't you just tell me who it is? And she goes, he's married. He has a family. This would ruin his life. So she's protecting a rapist who has a lot to lose and is the dad, but does not know that Ella was pregnant at all. She's saying that she acted alone in this baby trash dump. So Benson says, tell me, and Ella cries and says, never. And that's that. So arraignment part 22. She's in the same purple sweatshirt and the lawyer is white haired, chubby baby, Morty Berger, uh, played by Michael Lerner. And I know him from playing Cher's dad in the Clueless TV show. Did you ever watch that? Oh, not the Clueless TV show. No, you never watched that on UPN. No, baby. (laughs) I've never seen that. Oh, but I know, I know this actor very well. Yes. Yeah. So I know him from that. And he's also in one of my favorite movies for richer and poorer. And what's wild is that movie is Christy Alley and Tim Allen, who both went insane off the like QAnon bridge. Oh yeah. They're both right wing nut bags. Yep. And I used to love that movie. And so maybe we need to do a reel for richer and poor with them and they can learn new lessons. I think we should (laughs) drop them off in an Amish community today and see what happens. (laughs) But yeah, this actor has 184 credits and he's in Art School Confidential, which is also like one of my favorite movies. And he played Kate Menig's lawyer in her episode of SVU. And she's a oh dream guest. God. And yeah. like, so he, th- those are just the two. He's only been in two SVUs, but two of my all time favorites. So he, he works a lot. A to lot. Me. Like this is a nuts IMDb. Yeah. Um, and the judge is our classic redhead sweetie, Judge Lewis Preston. Luis. Judge Luis Preston. It's just like tough. Louis, Louis, Louise. Uh, uh, too many. Too many options. Yeah, Lois. Yeah. Oh, God. Another one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going to happen? Like, will she be held with or without bond? And they're, so they're all discussing the arraignment. And B.D. Wong is paying attention closely. Head tilt. He's listening. So the defense says she doesn't even have a parking ticket. And Casey goes, yeah. And if she did, she would throw it in the trash, just like her babies. Of course, objections all around. <laughs> They said a lower bail amount, but so the judge, so judge Lewis, Lois, Louis. So judge Louis, I think it's Lois Preston. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. Judge Louis, (laughs) judge P dog, um, curly Q. She says, listen, I'll do a chill ass bail amount, but you have to promise you won't get pregnant before trial. And of course the lawyer's like, it's unconstitutional. And she's like, no one's sterilizing her. No one's saying she can't. I'm just saying if she is becomes pregnant again, she'll be found, you know, of contempt of court. And Ella goes, I don't think I can do that. She legit says, I don't know. So she can't even promise to not get pregnant before court. So judge is not having it and goes, bail set at 2 million. Okay. <laughs> BD is back in the squad room and he's filling in the detectives with his opinions of like what he paid attention to in the case. And this is what I've been saying the whole episode. Her affect is flat and disassociative. And Cragen is like, what? She's going for a psych defense. And he goes, I don't think she will be able to because basically the psych overlords don't accept postpartum um, as an insanity defense. But there's also not enough info on post-birth mental issues. And Cragen's like, wait, excuse me, doctor. You think postpartum should excuse murder? And he goes, no. 
know, but I think it's psychosis, not depression. Um, like giving birth made her crazy. And BD is like, yeah, I mean, a lot happens to your body. And Cragen mentions Andrea Yates, who, what, which I love, who I love. I love dearly JK, but I love when they talk about real cases in the show. I kind of, I really much enjoy that. Benson goes, okay, yada, yada, yada. I just know the dad is important here and is involved and it's good. It's driving her crazy and we have to figure it out. So Munch gets a call from Warner and she wants Benson down at the morgue forensic body slab hangout ASAP. <laughs> forensic body slab hangout. Yes. <laughs> now this is written in all caps. DNA scoop is that the baby is too much her son. This baby and the mother have the same father. Incest, incest, product of incest. Wow. Woo. Who saw that coming? Nobody. Maybe me. Okay. Benson goes to the Drake residence. Um, the stepmom answers and Benson's like, let me in. And the stepmom goes, actually, like daddy's chilling and doesn't want to chat. And she's wearing a really cute, like pink sweater, cardigan, tank top situation. And I would love to own one of those. And Benson's like, um, what do you know about their relationship? And she says he loves her a lot. We just co I just co-signed papers to put the house up for collateral for her bail. And so Benson, it clicks in her brain. She goes, so Ella's inside with her father. And Benson does not like that one bit. And so so they she runs in and they are snuggling on the couch and Benson, she tells stepmom, sorry, I'm a little grossed out there. Are they working on baby number three together? And it's like, wait, what? And then Ella cries, nuzzles her father. And Benson lets the wife know, like, hey, your husband's been cheating on you with his own daughter. And she just looks so grossed out and angry, a little nostril flare, but like hot as hell. It's just pretty wild. So we're back in interrogation real fucking quick. And Ella's wearing a different purple sweater, but there is so much purple. So I'm wondering if there's like a tie and why all of her sweatshirts and sweaters are purple. Um, so if anyone has any information on why there's a purple <laughs> theme, let us know. And she's like, um, do you even know what it's like not to know your father? And it's like, Benson knows. So mm, thanks. <laughs> She does a speech about not knowing her dad and like at Christmas and how sad it is and that the mom hated her so much. And the mom like the mom was just like mad all the time at her because she laughed like her father did. And so she was hated by her mother and like didn't know her father. And it's like, if anyone gets it, it's fucking Benson. Mm -hmm. And Benson wants to know how she found him. And she's like, listen, I found my birth certificate before I went off to college and I tracked his ass down and they fell in love at first sight. And now Benson goes to the dad interrogation room and the dad is played by Zelchko Ivanic. He's such a good actor. I love him from so many things. I think he was on damages and he was really good. He won and an Emmy for his part in damages. Yeah. 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 He was so good in that. I just, and he like has over a hundred credits, um, including Oz. Oh, another Aussie guy. Yeah. But also um, him and Doug Stamper, kind of the Doug Stamper from House of Cards. There's they, a there's a they could be father son or brothers or yeah. just like weird similar killers vibe. and both SVU people. But they have similar vibes. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, the Doug Stamper guy, I don't know his real name, but he was the P rapist. He had all the P everywhere. He, yeah, he sticks. was. Yeah. Ovulation shit. But he was also the vet tech that worked with Andrew McCarthy's wife in Slaves. Yes, he was. Oh, my God. He's also hot. Okay. 
Not this guy. I mean, this guy's. I fine. know a comedian that used to rent his apartment in New York all the time. We should we could probably meet set you guys up to meet. <laughs> I'm sure he's fucking married. He he gives me married vibes. Um, yeah, I feel like men try to get married before they have that funny hairdo where they're bald up top and hair on the sides. They like, <laughs> like once they know that that's their future, they run out and try to get a wife. So the dad says that she came to volunteer for his campaign, but didn't say that she was his daughter. And so she was pretending and Benson's like, okay, so you're, you're blaming her for lying. Um, and then she's like, well, how long did it take for you to figure it out? Like you fucked her and you still knew, like you knew before the fuck, like what's going on. And he knew before they started to bang. So he knew it was his daughter before they started a sexual relationship. And he's like, I saw her as an adult, not as my daughter. So fuck off. We couldn't help it. And she says, you took advantage of a girl desperate for her father's love. And the dad's like, you think I'm proud of this? My life is ruined. And she's like, okay, yeah, but then why didn't you help her kill the baby? And it's like, whose side are you on, Benson? Like, do you want want him to help kill the baby? Or are you happy that the baby's alive? But incest daddy's like, I wish she told me she never told me. I would have never let her do this. And Benson goes, you really want me to believe you had nothing to do with this? And he claims his innocence. I kind of believe him. Yeah. So he's like, listen, I want to see my daughter. And she's like, fat chance, you fucking perv. And he goes, I'm still a lawyer and I have a license to practice and I'd like to see my client. So go fuck yourself. So he gets to go see his daughter. She runs like they run into each other's arms in the interrogation room. They spin and hug and make out and are like so happy to see each other. Not much law work is happening. And Benson is watching. She's like, she's so grossed out. And she's like, let me just arrest him for incest. And Novak says it can't. It's too it's consensual sex between adults. And it's like, it's like the same crime as adultery. It's penal codes. It's not real. So, you know, Benson wants him to rot in jail and wants him to be charged on attempted murder. But Novak says he has an alibi and there's nothing tying him to the case. And he does. He's like a busy guy as a councilman, apparently. So he was in a bunch of meetings that day. But Benson's, you know, going to push hard and Novak's going to try. Novak's like, oh, Berger's definitely going to launch an aggressive psych defense. So we got to get ready for that. And we cut to trial part 13. And that starts with B.D. Wong on the stand. And he said she might be suffering from postpartum psychosis, but that doesn't count as insanity under U.S. law. Novak says we've discussed this. OK, so then defense attorney to B.D. while on the stand goes hormones make <laughs> this was this is another quote. So the, our lawyer is goes he goes. Part of my French, but hormones make them kooky. And I kind of <laughs> liked that. Um, Ella takes the stand and it's like, you're a genius bitch. So why didn't you know what happened? Like, how did you? That's basically what everyone's thinking. Like, you're this engineering major. You're on the dean's list and you didn't understand what a baby is or what pregnancy is or that you stopped getting your period. Like, how is any of this possible? And she said it looked mutated to her, deformed. She didn't know what it was, but she knew it couldn't survive. And she put it in the box in a garbage bag. And that's that. And Novak says, what else did you put in there? And she's like, nothing, nothing. And it's like, no, you put in bloody sheets. You put in a bunch of clothes to suffocate him. He was crying and you tried to shut him up. And she starts to cry. And it's like, what do, uh, what do you remember? And she says, she oh, she keeps saying, like, I don't remember that. I don't remember putting the T-shirts in. I don't remember the bloody sheets. I don't remember any of this. I Nothing. And so Novak's like, what do you remember? And basically she remembers being outside walking. She says she didn't even know she had something in her hand and then realized it was a garbage bag and set it on a pile of trash and turned around and went to class. Wow. Women are resilient. At home birth, (laughs) a quick garbage toss errand and then straight to class. Wow. 
Can you imagine just clipping off your umbilical cord and being like, gotta get to third period? Like, I just can't. It's so funny. Uh, having, ha- having had two babies, I wouldn't even have known to, if I gave birth like at home, I would not even know about clipping off the umbilical cord. Like, I wouldn't even know about that. And I've given birth twice. It's just so sickening. What yeah. an awful prank nature has pulled. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> it it's only, it's just because of the apple. Like, I don't get it. Okay. <laughs> so daddy insists now takes the stand. So basically he says that he coursed her into this, that he pressured her and that it's all on him. And Casey starts shuffling around papers. So she's on to something. So then Casey is like, actually, um, when you talk to the detectives, you said that it was consensual that you both tried to end it a hundred times and neither of us could. So is that the truth or is the truth what you're saying on the stand right now, which is that you coursed her and she didn't want anything to do with this and you made this happen. So you're either lying in court or you lied to the detectives. You're either, you know, he said he was lying to cover his ass. And now it's like, okay, well, now you're lying to cover her ass. So which, you know, you're lying. You're a fucking liar. You're a liar and you're an incest guy. So the dad and the daughter, they cry and stare at each other. And the jury reaches a verdict. Not guilty on all counts because of mental disease or defect. And the jury is dismissed. And Olivia just looks so confused. She really it's she's not settled with this case. Um, Ella doesn't really have much emotion at all. Again, truly dead in the eyes, like uh, chill, monotone affect. It's weird. She I, it's such good acting. Like, I just have never seen it. It's really a unique dead in the eyes vibe because it's not evil and it's not depressed. It's like disassociating for sure. Um, But the dad and Ella put their foreheads together and he touches her hair and then she gets dragged to jail and the dad is so sad, but it's like, are you sad that your fuck buddy's gone or your daughter? I don't know. Then we cut to Ella at the mental hospital, staring off into the fence. Benson walks in and is like, haven't you seen Ashley Judd's double jeopardy? You could just tell me the truth. We can't even charge you again. We can't. You've seen the movie, right? And yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my, I thought you were asking me. Ella clearly hasn't seen it. I have seen it. I bet a lot of people are accidentally in jail forever because they thought double jeopardy was in play and it wasn't like, <laughs> I think that movie gave a lot of people information, but with now like the full information or something. Right. So Benson admits to, um, you know, she's trying to get it out of Ella. So she was just like, listen, we can't charge you. Just tell me the truth. And Benson admits finally like trying as a ploy. She's like, listen, I didn't know my father either. I still don't know who he is. Um, so I get you girl, you know, my mom didn't love me either. And Ella again is like, why are you telling me this? Like she is the most surfer girl carefree attitude. Like, why are you talking? I don't get it. And it's like, clearly she's trying to bond with you. You both have moms that hated you. And like the dad, So Benson plays it a little bit different this time too. She goes, I also understand the desire to get rid of the product of your own rape. Like, is that what you did? Maybe like you gave birth and that was like the product of the rape and you just couldn't face it. And Ella's like, it wasn't rape. It wasn't rape. And Benson says he had to have helped you. And she does this like flip around and goes, no, no, he didn't. I got rid of them myself. I just thought if I ignored them, they would go away. And then like, it never happened, but they kept screaming and crying and screaming. So I threw them away. And then they really didn't exist anymore. And then Benson realizes something. And Ella says, I was right all along. Like I got rid of them and they were done. And so then Benson's like, oh, the, your first baby wasn't a, a stillborn. 
Like you just said, both of them were crying and you had to shut both of them up. And Alice shakes her head. No. So it's like, okay, well, you could be charged on the murder of your first baby. You were never, there were no charges brought. Double jeopardy is not in play. Again, never talk to police ever, ever, ever. They are there to trick you. Um, but yeah, bye-bye double jeopardy. She's, um, she has to tell the New York DA's office that um, we have new evidence that the first baby was not a stillborn and it cried. But Ella doesn't even seem that disturbed. Again, does not care. Uh, Benson and Novak are doing a little walk and talk and they're like talking about the case and they go in and the daddy incest is holding his son slash grandson. And Benson's like, give me that baby. And he's like, this is my son. I'm taking custody. Uh, we're finishing up paperwork. Ha ha ha. And Novak goes fat chance. I have my own paperwork. Hand me the baby or detective Benson will place you under arrest. You fucking asshole. And he is so, so sad. And he hands over the baby and, um, there, and then Benson's like, you're never getting this baby. And the dad goes, Oh, we'll see. And she says, we're going to be okay to the baby. And then that's it. Dick Wolf, baby, a lot of babies at the end. So I just think that he almost would get custody yeah. in real life. I think he really would get custody because if he if he can prove that he had nothing to do with it, it is his baby. Incest is not illegal. It is in New Jersey where he lived. No, it's legal in New Jersey, right? And illegal Newark. everywhere else. I think that's why they said it in Newark on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that baby would end up in his hands. I hate to say it. And even though that's so to be the dad and the grandfather, not, not cool. So yeah, that's my favorite episode. And I can't wait to hear um, the true story <laughs> of incest baby killers. Let's go. <laughs> we'll be right back with all that fun stuff. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so yeah, this story was really hard to find information on for some weird reason. I'll go through it. And maybe we can figure out why. But uh, I think this is definitely what it's based on because this uh, case happened in 2005. This episode was came out in early 2006. So it really makes sense. It literally happened. It came out. This happened October of 2005. And this episode came out January of 2006. And we know how fast SVU moves. So I think this is what happened. Yeah, you know that Neil Bear found this little fucking article somewhere and went, yeah, and he's it. like, let's go. We're getting this done before Christmas break. <laughs> so Holly Ashcraft is a woman who was from Billings, Montana, who was a third year architecture student on scholarship at the University of Southern California, U uh, USC. That's right here in Los Angeles. Um, and architecture is very hard. Like architecture school is very hard to get into. So wait, just I just watched a movie about an architect on a plane. Oh, you did? Yeah, um, something about Bur whatever happened to Bernadette. It's with uh, oh, Kate Blanchett. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Did you like it? I hated that movie. Why'd you hate it? I just thought it made no sense. I didn't like it. I don't think it was supposed to make sense, and I loved it. <laughs> I didn't. I saw it on a plane. Maybe I wasn't in the mood. 
No, but that, I just, you're right. I just haven't heard about architects in a while. And then to have seen that yeah. movie just recently and then talking about an architect. Yes, yeah, she's a very, very famous architect, right? Like skilled for making one specific like building that people are obsessed with. Very, um, who's the guy that does falling water? Frank Lloyd Wright. Is he the architect people are obsessed with? He's anyway. like number one. Yeah. I think it's like saying um, basketball Michael Jordan. I think yeah. Frank Lloyd Wright, that's like the one yeah, everyone yeah, knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, there's a glass house in my town that's very famous. And I think he made that too. Or somebody, some famous architect did. It's behind, it's behind a wall. Like you can't really see it, but I think now it might be open for tours. Like it's this architectural marvel that's in my hometown. Anyway, so on October 10th of 2005, an unhoused man named Michael Lee Walker was going through a dumpster near Ashcroft's apartment when he found a box covered in layers and layers of tape. So, um, he testified that he spent a really long time trying to get all the tape off because he thought, oh, there must be something good in here. And instead, he found a navy blue bundled towel with the body of a tiny baby boy. So unfortunately, unlike the SVU case, this baby was not alive and crying. He was he had passed. And police found a bunch of mail that was addressed to Holly Ashcraft in the box as well. Yeah, the coroner's investigator who responded to the scene found the child was like covered in birth discharge. So had clearly just been just been born and blood and stuff. So about 10 inches of a three vessel umbilical cord with a clean cut were still attached. A two vessel cord apparently would have raised concerns about birth defects, but not with a three vessel cord. So they thought this baby could have been healthy. Uh, the autopsy report ruled it as a homicide due to quote unquote caretaker neglect and intentional asphyxia could not be ruled out as the cause of death. The deputy deputy medical examiner, David Whiteman determined that the baby was born alive after 32 weeks, but Ashcraft's defense attorney, a guy named Mark Garagos argued that the baby was stillborn. He also claimed that there was no evidence that Holly knew she was pregnant, but Holly actually first came to the police's attention in April of 2004 after going to a Los Angeles hospital with bleeding and doctors determined that she had given birth. So that's where these cases are so close. Like she had done this before. Um, she once again claimed that she had given birth to a stillborn, but the baby's that baby's body, the first 2004 baby was never found and she was never arrested or charged in connection with that infant's murder in the 2005 case. Prosecutors tried twice to charge her with murder. The first charge was reduced and then dismissed. Prosecutors then refiled and a judge reduced that charge. So, and if you see a picture of this woman, like you can Google Holly Ashcraft and there's like a very not like good quality LA times photo of her. She looks like Ella Christensen. I mean, she's got strawberry blonde hair, pale skin, pretty, like they're very similar looking. So the court found that Ashcraft lived less than a half a mile from a fire station. And California does have safe haven laws, which allow people to anonymously drop off a baby at a designated location, like a hospital or fire station within 72 hours of birth. Um, the fire station was a two minute drive from Ashcraft's apartment. So again, much like the episode, pretty fucked up choice in 2008, Ashcraft, um, Ashcroft pleaded no contest to a charge of child endangerment resulting in death. Superior Court Judge Kathleen Kennedy told Ashcraft that her behavior was, quote, absolutely unforgivable, end quote, and that she did not want a similar situation to occur. So she did say to her, I cannot order you to not get pregnant. I don't think you should get pregnant at this time until you work out whatever psychological problems that exist. And I have to believe there are psychological problems, end quote. So this is what the judge said to her. So 
There wasn't a contempt of court thing like there was in the SVU, but she definitely said like, hey, girl, please don't get pregnant. Like, I can't make you, but could you not? Um, And so under a plea agreement, Ashcraft was sentenced to 30 days in jail, uh, which she had already served, and 730 days of electronic monitoring. So the judge gave her five years of probation and ordered Ashcraft to undergo counseling, and she was ordered to take pregnancy tests monthly. Probably because if she had gotten pregnant, they would just monitor her. Not that they would, like, make her get rid of it or anything, but they would just monitor her. Or so she could just know. I mean, that's the thing. Are these, the in the fake and the real, did they actually know they were pregnant or not? Like, we just don't know right. if they're lying or not. Well, because, like, it's like a lot of times when you watch, uh, so I didn't, I didn't know I was pregnant or whatever and these other shows. And my my mother-in-law, who has worked at, worked at an ER for a long time, told me that they would get this all the time in West Virginia. But she's, like, my mother-in-law told me, it's often women that are, are are very large, and so they don't notice the weight gain as much. But you see on that TV show all the time, there's people that are not large. It's just, it's literally, I think it's full denial. It's like a, a lot of the women that my mother-in-law says come in, will be, they'll be like, so you weren't getting your period? And they're like, yeah. Like, they're just, they know intellectually. They just, like, can't wrap their minds around the fact that they got pregnant. Or it's so catastrophic to them to think about what it will do to their lives that they just... I don't know. It's like, have you ever had like a test that you just like knew you had to study for and you just keep putting it off, even though it's going to like kill your grade to not sure. study a for test it? Like, in a fucking pregnancy. No, I mean, I'm just saying the denial you can go. I'm, I'm, I'm living ex- in full ex- denial. I'm living extrapolate in denial. The denial. Have you ever, <laughs> have you not seen me shop? I mean, I spend money like I <laughs> truly came from wealth. I, I live in denial every day. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think if you got pregnant, I'd be hearing about it, but anyway, um, <laughs> Oh, we'd all be hearing about it. I would be like live streaming my abortion in Texas or something. Yes, I would be driving you. I'll be like, I'll put up the money. I hope you guys, the listeners will pay for me to get sued when I drive Lisa to her Texas abortion because I'm going to do it. I, you know what? I always say how like time flies. Time's going so fast, like in a blink of an eye. I can't believe. How, but I, I still have two more years on my IUD, which is a 10 year IUD. So no matter how fast I think life goes, I always can remember and be like, damn, this bitch has been in here for a while. (laughs) I guess it's not, time doesn't go fast. I still have a copper thing inside of me. It's weird. Um, but not really, not really, not with an IUD floating around in your uterus. No. Oh, it's going to suck to take it out. Oh, I'm so sad. Can't you just get another one put in? I think it, I just the pain, not like oh. b- being free to fuck. Um, I just I mean, it's going to I think it hurts. I have never had one. Yeah, I've got to get back on birth control pills. If it makes you feel any better. Anyway, uh, so in 2010, prosecutors allege that Ashcraft now 26. So now five years have gone by since this happened. She's now 26. They alleged that she had failed to comply with her court-ordered counseling and pregnancy testing, and the judge had Ashcraft taken into custody and to to remain in jail without bail until a court hearing on January 3rd. So this was like, the the judge thought keeping her in jail over the holidays would maybe like teach her a lesson and get her to like start doing her court-appointed therapy, but um, the judge said she had lost patience with Ashcraft, who admitted to violating terms of her probation by failing to attend counseling. And then honestly... I cannot find a damn thing after that. I don't know whether she ended up fulfilling her probation and then that's it. Like there is nothing about this case after I think my most recent source is 2013 and it's 2021. So it's like eight years. There's nothing of like, 
where is she now? Or like she gave an interview saying why she did this or anything like that. Like there's truly nothing else. So I just think it's crazy that there's no, I don't know, like there was never an interview. Like there was never her going on Oprah to say what she did or anything. Like it just didn't blow up and become a huge thing, even though like it definitely got an SVU case based off of it. And I don't know. I wonder if she was less attractive, what would happen? Cause she is very cute. And I also wonder what would happen if she was a different color because a part of me thinks if this was a black woman, she would still be in jail today. Well, and part of me was like, Oh, I wonder if she like had like that happened in the episode. I wonder if she had kind of like connections that sort of buried the story a little bit, but it just, she's just from Billings, Montana. Like nothing that I find is that she's from wealth or from any kind of like, Oh, her uncle is a Congressman and got this like sort of swept under the rug. So I don't really know how, but I'm hoping that she has not gotten rid of any more pregnancies since then. And um, yeah, that's the story of Holly Ashcraft, AKA Ella Christensen in real life. Thank you for that story. And if any of you have any information or know this woman or, you know, send, send us a message. Oh, I also want to say one quick thing. This is also, this episode is loosely based on the concept of genetic sexual attraction, uh, which is like a phenomenon, but that is covered in another SVU episode that I think we're going to cover more deeply at some point. So I'm not going to get into it today. But again, on your free time, if you want to learn about dads and daughters fucking as adults, um, you know, have at it. I'm sure there's a book out there, an academic journal. Yeah, fathers and mothers and sons, too. I mean, we definitely talked about Barbara Bakeland and her son, but that didn't seem like it was that didn't seem like it was consensual the way the Ella Christensen thing was. But also, is it really like maybe Ella wanted to fuck him bad? But yeah, there's no that. It's nice. There's no incest in this one. But the baby's dead. It is tough. It's like ups and downs of if this one's better or worse than the real case. No incest, dead baby. Yeah, you got to take out the scales. um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We have a dream guest that I have been begging for since the start of this podcast. I think you can guess who it is. Let's have some fun. Okay, time for a guest and you're gonna love the next one. Um, why did I make up a song? Uh, you guys, our guest from today, you know from iconic roles in movies like The Babysitter's Club and Aliza Traeger favorite Orange County. You also can see her in the upcoming film Sam and Kate starring alongside her mother, icon sissy spacek and you guys know her best as ella christensen please get into our chat with skylar fisk so i'll start off this is one of my number one favorite episodes i'm obsessed with it and we've wanted to talk to you since uh we started this podcast and i'm also i watch orange county like at least twice a year and it's one of my favorites (laughs) so that's awesome I'm just very pumped uh, that we get to talk to you. And what do you think makes Taboo so iconic and so beloved by the watchers of SVU? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. It's got all the juicy stuff, you know, baby killer, incest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Classic SVU ingredients. And you were such a good liar, this character. Like how... Did you have to prep really hard to be able to lie so smooth, so good? <laughs> like, 
she had no effect, but she was like sweating because of the, you know, she wasn't doing well. Yeah. So how were the scenes where you just were lying to everyone? Hardcore. I just, um, I just sort of believed that I didn't do it, you know, until, Mm -hmm. until I had to think otherwise, because I think truly that my character really like was a little bit mentally had some stuff going on and she think I think she thought she did not do it. So I think she like sort of blocked it out so much. She just believed that. So, but it's funny because, you know, I didn't, I think after I, when I did the episode, I didn't realize like what a huge show it was and that so many people watch it. And so after it aired, I was like walking around my neighborhood and I was getting these like looks from people and didn't really think much of it. And then someone was like, Hey, you're that baby killer. (laughs) Whoa. I didn't see that coming, but it made me laugh. But I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like one of, one of those people, like, you remember unsolved mysteries, that show. Yeah. I remember thinking like the people that played like the bad guys, you know, people would see them on the street, like in real life and be like, Oh, that's the killer. You know, someone get him. Do you feel like as, is SVU um, like what people approach you for the most or are people my age running up to about Babysitter's Club? Yeah. What do you think you get harassed for the most? Mostly, uh, probably Babysitter's Club, sometimes Orange County, but most recently SVU. Like I was picking up a prescription at the drive through at CVS the other day. And they were like, oh my God, SVU. Because they just play them so much. So I'm sure some people just like have just watched your episode and then see you out in the wild and are like, whoa, it's Ella Christensen. Exactly. Also now, because you can stream everything, you know, you can just see things. It just didn't used to be like that. I used to have to like tape record with a VHS party of five. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Same. Um. I'm assuming that this was like an offer only situation that you didn't have to enter the uh, audition. That's correct. Yeah. What did you think when you got the script and like, what made you decide to take this? Like, we're like, it sounds like you didn't really watch the show much before you did it or maybe you did, but you just didn't know the show was so big. Right. I just loved, I just thought it was like juicy. I was excited to like be this person that was dealing with so many things and I, it excited me like the, the levels of emotion that she had kind of going on. And it was felt like a little challenge that I was excited to, you know, go for. And as huge fans of SVU, you also like, you got a courtroom scene, you got yelled at by multiple characters, (laughs) interrogations, you're passing out, you're in the hospital. Like you kind of got to do, and you're in jail. Like you got to do all the fun sets. We were wondering, we've always wanted to know, real elevator or is that a set elevator? Total set. And they like, um, they have someone that like pulls the strings and makes the doors close, you know? So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's all orchestrated. And who was more scary to get grilled by? Was it Christopher Maloney or Diane Neal in the courtroom? (laughs) They both really had like went for you. Um, Was, Was one of them more scary than the other? I thought Diane Neal was, she's awesome. She's a badass. And I think she, I think they told me this trivia, you probably know this already, but um, because when I was filming it, I was, I had so much fun. I was like, God, I want to come back. But you know, circumstances don't really, (laughs) my character's not going to be coming back. Um, But I was like, has anyone ever like been a guest star? Like, 
at one point in time and then come back as a different character. And she has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was a killer. I was like, what? So cool. If you came back, what kind of part would you like to play? (sighs) I mean, I kind of like playing the bad guy, I got to say. I don't know if I'd want to be on the other side. But then the longevity of your role is very limited. So I don't know. Yeah, that's true. And how was it shooting on the streets of New York City where people we've because we've talked to some people where they say the people in New York interact with them. And then some people are like, oh, it's New York. No one gives a shit about us. Um, So how was it filming on the streets? I thought it was super cool. I'd never I haven't before or since filmed anything in New York. And I loved being in the city in that way. You know, it was it was it was great. People were just kind of checking out what was going on. I mean, like there was a scene where I'm like walking into the I guess courtroom or the jail or something. And there's like people are picketing and yelling at me. That was so intense. But there was also like people like around just bystanders, like what is going on? And who is this terrible girl? It's funny. It's really funny. You really feel sad about yourself. when That's happening. It really helped. It really helps. Oh my gosh. I guess that's how you get (laughs) into the full character then people screaming at you. I feel like that scene of like when, when uh, Mariska Hargitay walks into your dad's house and you're just kind of like cuddle crying with your dad on the couch is like very iconic and like creepy. Um, I just wanted to ask about working with, I think that actor, I believe it's pronounced Jelko Ivanek is, uh, He's so talented. How was uh, working with him as your creepy dad boyfriend? (laughs) He is so talented and I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Um, And yeah, he's, he's always so good. And it was, it was fun. He was great. He was lovely. He was, (laughs) you know, very um, kind and didn't seem all that creepy. But then again, like my mindset was like, I'm in love with him. So I just kind of like went with that. It was, in that zone of not like how weird the whole thing was. <laughs> Any other um, stories from set that you feel we would love to know? Well, I remember um, Mariska was newly pregnant when we were filming. And, um, but I don't think it wasn't like out. People didn't really know. I don't think, um, but you could tell, and like they were having to adjust her wardrobe and stuff. And I just remember being in the makeup trailer next or in the makeup, chair next to her and I in my mind at least it was breakfast and she's like I'm gonna need a hamburger and she sent someone out to get some specific hamburger I don't know what it was but but yeah (laughs) and uh did you grow up going to sets with your mom and stuff like is being on a set very comfortable for you yeah yeah it really is I always joke that like there's a smell on set of like coffee and cigarettes that's just so familiar <laughs> from my childhood um specifically from being around sets but I love seeing the old photos of like um Kate Hudson and stuff with uh Goldie Hawn on set like I just think it's so cute to be able to go to work with your parents and run around I don't know I love it so cool and I remember like when I was little visiting my mom on set spending a lot of time in the well you know the hair and makeup trailer as you do and just playing with all the makeup and they would braid my hair and it was like the coolest best thing oh my gosh yeah and then I was like saw these kids playing my mom's kids in the movie and I was like wait wait a minute hold on (laughs) 
They're like me. Why, can, why can't I do it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, the real again. thing. <laughs> right. I'd be so believable as your kid. Well, you've worked <laughs> together, right? Like a couple times since We've then. worked together, but like only really like in me playing a flashback of her or something like that. So it, we haven't really gotten to do something together um, yet, but that is in the, in the cards for this next year, which is exciting. Oh yeah. Is this, this new movie that you guys are doing together where you do play mother and daughter? Yes. Yeah. Sam and Kate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, so that'll be cool. That'll be like the first time you're actually playing opposite your mom. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's going to be great. I mean, we've done like, we always, when we're working on a project, you know, our own separate projects, we'll like work together uh, just to go over scenes with each other just for, you know, practice, fun, whatever, um, to work through things. And so it's going to be fun to do it for real. Yeah. What was some of the best advice that she had given you about prepping for a role or while you guys work together that you always kind of think about or look back on when you're working? I think it's just like seeing her process has been um, really helpful seeing how she, you know, will sort of like read a script a couple of times and make tons of notes and kind of talk through any questions or ideas with the other collaborators on the project and, and really make sure like scenes are working for her and that she understands, you know, why things are written the way they are. And, and then you, if you do that, you're so much more prepared on the day and then you ha- are kind of freed up to just sort of, if you know the scenes really well, then you can kind of just, you're just in them more than sort of backing them. She's always just told me as far as like, you know, being in the moment, it's just, she said, think it, just feel it. Just, you know, you don't always have to like, feel like you're acting it, but just if you really think it and feel it, they'll see it. So that's what I try to do. Wow. That was a dream come true to be able to speak to her. So uh, this episode lives in my heart day in and day out. One of my most referenced when asked one of my what what is my favorite. So to be able to speak to her was uh, and I amazing. love that she's still getting recognized for it. That's so amazing. Um, and if you guys want to check out any of Skylar's music, her new album, We Could Be All Right, will be released later this year. So keep an eye out for that. You can follow her on socials and she'll probably be promoting. Speaking of albums, have you been listening to the new Casey Musgraves or you're still denying it? No, I'm not denying it. I just I I, I, I you don't, don't have, have to. I'm not. A, I'm no, just I, I love it so much. I literally was on the I was on the Internet at like in the morning trying to get tickets the day they came out for her concert when she comes here because I love her so much. But the new album, I just um, feel like all I do is listen to our podcast to check out the episodes or I listen to like the Vivo soundtrack with my child in the car. Like I, I don't have a lot of what's Vivo listening. soundtrack. Oh my gosh. Vivo is a great movie. It's on Netflix. It's all it's Lin-Manuel Miranda. Nicole mm. Byer has a voice in it. Brian wow. Tyree Henry has a voice in it. It's really great. And it's like, I just love it. It's about this little kinkajou monkey <laughs> named Vivo. And it's all music and it's all like Latin like style music and it all takes place in Havana, Cuba and in Florida, like in the keys of Florida and Miami. And I just like I'm obsessed. My daughter loves it and I love it, too. It's like we just listened to it on the way to the spooky store today. Um, I like that you took her to the spooky store. 
Yeah, I had to buy some spirit gum for my husband's uh, beard for his costume. And I also needed Wait, to what? get us spirit gum. Yeah, you know, it's that st- it's stuff that they use like in on sets or whatever. It's like to stick on facial hair. Oh, OK, cool. Yeah. And I also had to get us we're being us. Well, this is coming out after Halloween. So by now you've seen on the Instagram that my husband and I went as the couple from LuLaRoe documentary, Lula Rich, the Stidhams, we went as them. And so we don't want to do that when we go out with our child trick or treating because it just feels like little kids don't know about MLMs. So I bought a peanut butter and jelly costume for me and Jared at the spooky store. And Rosie came with me. But did she get extra goodies too? Did you buy her a loose skeleton or a ring pop? She wanted a snake. She wanted a snake. And I said, no, she has so much crap. And I got her like the bucket for holding her uh, candy. And she's been playing with that. I just can't, we can't have more crap. She got a bucket. That's, you yeah. could have just said she got a bucket. No, but I got her that already. <laughs> I didn't get her that on the trip. Oh, okay. The trip, <laughs> the trip she left with nothing. She was, she got to pick out the peanut butter and jelly. So that was technically, you know, for her. Oh, she wanted you guys to be a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, it's her favorite sandwich, of course. Oh, but she can't even have it at school. I bet Montessori doesn't allow No, peanuts. she can. She can. They let her. I think it just depends if there's any kids with an allergy and there aren't. So she's allowed. She has it. At, she has it twice a week. Wow. Lucky girl. All right. Taboo. What did we learn? Don't murder your kid. Don't give birth in your dorm room and then throw your baby in the garbage. I don't know. Is that something that we need in this episode? Don't fuck your dad. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I think uh, once again, it's like the fact that you think you're going to outsmart Olivia Benson. I just cannot. These people fly too close to the sun. They really just think they are so smart and she's going to well, kind of out. like Skylar said, she just had to believe that this girl believed. And that's that. Right. But also don't go to after you get acquitted. Shut your mouth. Don't say anything. They're going to get you on some kind of shit. That's like not double jeopardy. And don't say anything. I'm not trying to get people who kill babies off the hook, but like, don't be dumb. Yeah. Olivia is not your friend. She's our friend. She's yeah. our friend. She ain't your friend. Baby <laughs> killer. Um, I love, I learned that I loved sassy little headline. <laughs> Genius baby killer. Like I like that. <laughs> <laughs> this media coverage was so interesting to me that there was like a few LA times things. Cause she was pretty and like that focused on it. And then it was just like, poof, goodbye. What happened? Nothing. Barely looked into the first crime. Like, you know, it was just strange. It didn't, you know, it didn't, This it wasn't salacious enough to grasp our hearts. I guess. You need Casey Anthony style. I guess so. I wonder if everyone that listens to the pod is like, when the fuck are they doing the Hillary Duff episode? Those dumb bitches. Well, people message us about it all the time. And when I can, I respond and tell them that we technically have already done it because we did it as our pilot episode. To uh, basically to audition for exactly right. And then we will do it again, though. Right. Yeah. It would be funny to listen to the old one. I'm sure. Oh, my God. I would hope we release the old one. We'll release the old one (laughs) for a ransom. basically. (laughs) All Um, right. Listen. Let's keep moving. Uh, What would Sister Peg do this week? We're going to call out one of my favorite causes near and dear to my heart, Planned Parenthood. I think we've talked about them before. I have been literally, I got my birth control at Planned Parenthood when I lived in New York and my insurance only covered like one prescription. That's where I would go to get my birth control. I donate to Planned Parenthood every month in Mike Pence's name. And I just think they are 
an amazing organization. Their mission is to ensure all people have access to the care and resources they need to make informed decisions about their bodies, lives, and futures. They are not just about abortions. They're not even just about female health care. They are about a lot of things. Abortions included, thank God. And they are the largest sexual health educator in the country. So we got to keep them afloat. I've been hearing that the there are still more abortion cases going through uh, the Supreme Court, and it's not looking good in certain states. So we gotta we gotta keep Planned Parenthood going. So that's www.plannedparenthood.org. And as always, all of our What Would Sister Peg Do segments are in our stories under the highlight called WWSPD. And you can check out everyone we've mentioned in our whole history. Wow, that was a mouthful, Kara. A lot of information. Thank you so much. Actually, when I was in Texas, we ta- I talked with some people. Uh, someone was in school to be a paralegal. And we talked about how good you were in the um, Megan Fahey episode. Oh, my God. That's so nice. Yeah. Explaining that's so everything. nice to hear. Yeah, we gossip about you um, when we're out there. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, um, we have another horrific episode waiting for you. And it's one of the, I think it's, is this a double-double toil and trouble? Don't message us that it's the wrong Hulu episode. It's called something else. You watched the wrong one. That's on you. Okay. Um, (laughs) Imprisoned Lives. That's what it is called. Season 15, episode two, slash one, slash eek. If you log on to Hulu, it will look like it's episode one. And if you want to just fast, you can watch the whole thing. Or if you want to fast forward to like around the 42 minute mark, that's where Imprisoned Lives begins. Yeah, it's like a double episode. Do you guys understand? Um, (laughs) Hulu, Peacock, the Internet. Thanks, as always, for listening to us. It's uh, really nice. Thank you. Yeah, we love you guys. Talk to you next week. Bye bye. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmesseduppod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmesseduppod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to SVU Superfan and our incredible producer, Hannah Kyle Creighton. And to our sound engineer and personal hero, Annalise Nelson. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song. To Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thanks to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. Dun, dun. dun. <laughs>